Good afternoon, everybody. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the program. Glad to be here with y'all today. We've got a lot to go into. Let's jump into it with a story that popped up on my radar during Moon Show this morning, so I had to forward it to him, and that is this this piece at the at the advertisement, it's in it's in all of the Gannett papers here in the state. Uh, Greg Hilburn's the statewide reporter for the USA Today Network, the, the Gannett papers in the state. So uh, Garrett Graves is saying that he's feeling extraordinary pressure, extraordinary pressure to run for Louisiana governor. From who? Who is pressuring Garrett Graves to run for governor? Is it the people in his district? Because I can tell you there are several other congressional districts in the state that not only barely know his name, but also don't really want him to run because they're largely leaning to Jeff Landry or John Schroeder or some other Republican that's already declared, not somebody who is just sitting on the sidelines kind of toying with it still. Is it some big dollar donors, the people that want the state to maintain a status quo? They don't like what John Bell Edwards did. They don't like the Democrats being in charge so the Democrats are bad for business interests, but they don't want some conservative to go in there and start making some changes that could affect the tax breaks that big businesses get. Who's pressuring Garrett Graves to run? Now, I, I will admit, I've talked to some folks, they're, they're not necessarily Jeff Landry fans. They don't like... Uh, they don't like a lot of the culture war stuff that Jeff Landry fights on. They they like some more practical policy things. Or they just think that he's they 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 don't like they don't like the almost Donald Trump nature of the way that he fights. He's kind of taking on every fight and every, this is how they've described Jeff Landry to me. I would be fine voting for Jeff Landry, probably. Um but there are some people who have some hesitations, but those same people are not looking for a Garrett Graves to jump in. There's multiple reasons why Garrett Graves shouldn't jump in. They were laid out actually very well in that letter uh, from the L.A. GOP chairman uh, that got so much uh, blowback from Billy Nungesser, who's now kind of kissing up to Jeff Landry in the L.A. GOP. Uh, but I, I just... Garrett Graves has been toying with this, and I think it's probably just him and himself that are arguing back and forth over whether or not he should run for governor. I mean, he's got some prime seating in the uh, in in Congress right now, and he is a big Kevin McCarthy guy, which is automatically a red flag for me. I don't have to rehash. Now, Kevin McCarthy, since he's become the speaker, has done some of the right things, but that was stuff that he was strong-armed into agreeing to do by the conservatives who did not trust Kevin McCarthy uh, to do anything other than maintain the House's status quo. And for Garrett Graves to say, yeah, he's my friend, he's a great guy, no, I'm I'm not going to buy into that. That's not a mentality I like. Kevin McCarthy is as much a rhino as some of the others that you know by name. And... If you are a big Kevin McCarthy guy, you're telling me that you're the exact same way. You're a status quo guy. You want you and your own to get to have some power and to be the ones to kind of manage things, but you don't want to change things. You don't want to rock the boat too much. And Louisiana is in desperate need of boat rocking. It really is. 
All of the polls shared with us show that no candidate has a majority of Republican support. Well, of course not. There's five Republicans in the race so far. Now, the plurality of them by far in every poll that I've seen and heard whispers about, the plurality of those voters by far go to Jeff Landry. What's Garrett Graves going to do? Pull some folks out of Baton Rouge away from Jeff Landry? I'm not sure how many folks in Baton Rouge are for Jeff Landry to begin with. They're more likely John Schroeder folks. It's pretty clear that there does appear to be an appetite for another candidate. How do you read that out of polling information? The polls that are out there clearly say that the Republicans are excited and they want Jeff Landry. They want somebody. They want a strong Republican. When has Garrett Graves ever been a strong Republican? There's nobody. There's nobody out there in Louisiana in in massive droves of numbers clamoring for Garrett Graves to jump in this race. Garrett Graves is boring as hell. If you want a boring milk toast candidate, you've already got some in. Won't name names, but you know who I'm talking about. The Republican Party has fine candidates in there. And I know I've been preaching about this whole we need voices, we need diversity, we need multiple schools of thought in this race because we need to have these debates, the local, the state, and the national level. But Garrett Graves doesn't bring any of that to the table. Garrett Graves brings a congressman who's been there going on five terms now who's a big status quo guy. We don't need more status quo. With Jeff Landry, you get a fight on social conservative norms. With John Schroeder, you get some fiscal sanity in there. With Richard Nelson, you get some new ideas in there. There's not going to be much difference between, say, Garrett Graves and Sharon Hewitt, honestly. In terms of what they're bringing to the table. So I don't know why Garrett Graves insists on sitting on the sidelines and saying, well, there's a lot of people telling me to run. Just jump in if you feel that you're being pressured to do so. If you're really contemplating leaving Congress when the Republicans have, what, a four or five seat majority? Go ahead and jump in. You're going to hurt the Republicans in the House by doing so. They're not going to back you. Most of the congressmen in the state are already backing Jeff Landry. Now, if you were to tell me a congressman like Mike Johnson was wanting to jump in, I'd say, okay, yeah, bring it. Let's have this debate. Let's let's go with the conservatism of Mike Johnson versus the conservatism of Jeff Landry. I'd love to see that. But Garrett Graves isn't bringing that to the table. Garrett Graves is a McCarthy crony. That's what he does. Graves said he believes he could compete even if he waited months to declare because I'm confident we could raise money and have a good story to tell. What story? What story is Garrett Graves going to be able to tell? I'm finding it very difficult to take Garrett Graves seriously on anything at this point because all he's doing is sitting on the sidelines and saying, well, all these candidates suck. 
So do something about it, Garrett. Congressman Graves, jump in, please. By all means, jump in and do something to make the the candidate pool suck less. But the fact of the matter is, Graves, if he does decide to run, he's not going to bring anything new. He's going to be a blip in the radar. He'll get a decent percentage of the vote because there are people in his district that like him. But outside of his district, there's not really much there. You can tell the people that want to make a change. You can tell that there are people in the race that see the status quo and they don't like it and they want to make an active change. There's not one thing that Garrett Graves has told us that he wants to make a change about. There's not one thing about Louisiana that he said he's going to go after. He's got no platform. He'll have a generic Republican platform. He will have a generic conservative talking point bullet list. But you're not going to be able to tell any heart or any passion behind what he's saying. He's just trying to get elected. It is absurd that we're having this argument right now over whether or not another Republican needs to jump in. A Republican who nobody around the state will really know all that much about, except for those who listen to Moon Graffon. And Moon's sitting here saying, we don't need Garrett Graves to run. Moderate on a good day, Moon says. That's the statewide image that Garrett Graves has right now, is just what they hear from Moon. Because there's nothing that he's doing to get himself known statewide any other way. He's not running any sort of ad campaign that's getting people to know him. He's not running any sort of campaign that will, uh, he's not doing any sort of outreach. He's not going around the state. He's not traveling around the state. He's a congressman who exists far off in Washington, D.C., except for last week and this week when they're uh, when they're back home for a little bit of a recess. I'm all for Garrett Graves jumping in. If he wants to jump in, go ahead and jump in. But what is he going to bring to the table for the Republicans? What is he going to offer that is not being offered by anybody else? Because he's got to be able to differentiate himself somehow. He's got to be able to compete with Jeff Landry's money. He's got to be able to compete with other ideas that are going to be brought to the table. And I'm not sure he's going to be able to do that. There is nothing in any of the stuff he's in, all the comments he's given to the media and all the things that he's said, there's nothing to indicate he's got a very strong position about anything in Louisiana that desperately needs to change. He's a bit of an infrastructure policy nerd. That may be the only thing he brings to the table. And as bad as infrastructure is, though, there are a lot of other things that also need to be addressed in Louisiana. And if he's a one-trick pony talking about infrastructure, for example, he's not going to go anywhere. I don't understand the point. I, I really do, And I didn't mean to come in today and, and just this hot on the subject, but the more I think about it, the crazier it sounds that we have a sitting U.S. congressman when the Republican Party barely has a majority in the House wanting to leave that and hurt the Republican majority even more to make the selfish decision to run in this race. Because if he wins, he screws the Republicans in the House. If he loses, he just wasted a ton of his time and effort. 
Let him jump in. We don't need him. Let him jump in. But if he's not going to jump in, if he's going to sit on the sidelines and just talk about how bad the candidates are and how nobody wants any of these candidates, shut the hell up and stay in Washington, D.C. because you're not doing anything either way. I'm sorry for coming in so hot. That is not how I wanted to start the show, but it has just bothered me all day for him to to tell Greg Hilburn with the USA Today Network uh, a lot of people. I mean, I'm there's I'm feeling a ton of pressure on this from who. I don't know a soul, and I haven't heard a soul say, you know, I really wish Garrett Graves would jump into this race. I have not heard that from a single person. I don't know anybody who is excited over the idea of Garrett Graves, a generic milk toast Republican. Two three two fifteen forty two. If you want to call in, or you can send a message through the KPL app chat. We're going to go ahead and take this break. When we come back, uh, got all that and more of the news of the day right here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk ninety six point five KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk ninety six point five KPL two three two fifteen forty two. If you want to be part of the conversation, y'all. So Don Lemon was off the air for several days, for uh, three days, two or three days, something like that. Uh, he was off the air at CNN after uh, his inappropriate remarks saying that Nikki Haley is past her prime, that women uh, are in their primes in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, and Nikki Haley was past that. And, of course, offended Caitlin Collins on that morning show as well as others. Um Don Lemon's three-day hiatus from CNN this morning resulted in a 5% increase in viewership for the struggling cable news show. More people were watching with Don Lemon not on. That should tell CEO Chris Licht everything he needs to know. Don Lemon, and it's not just that Don Lemon is like super progressive and is not, uh, he's not objective at all. Of course, that's, that's a big part of it. Don Lemon is the one, if you remember the missing Malaysian flight, if you think back all those years, Don Lemon is the one who said, well, some people have set a black hole. Do you think that could be a case? And everybody on the panel just laughed at him because it's such a stupid suggestion. That's Don Lemon. Don Lemon will say absurd things. I'm just asking questions. He's not, he's not good. He's not good at his job. Uh, and he's kind of shown it in how he handled his primetime show and the very partisan way he did that. And, of course, he was moved to primetime by Jeff Zucker when he was in charge of CNN because he was looking for uh, he was looking for entertainment. He was looking for the partisanship. He was looking at that as a way to draw ratings, especially during the Trump years, and it did. But Trump left office and the ratings tanked because the entire programming of CNN's primetime was devoted to how can we best attack Trump and the Republicans. And when Trump and the Republicans were out of power, it was like, oh, well, what are we going to do? Just going to keep talking about Trump? Well, nobody cared about Trump at that point. He was out of office. Everybody was focused on Joe Biden and the economy and all this other stuff. CNN's ratings have tanked. Don Lemon was a big part of that because of the non-objectivity of Don Lemon and others. CNN just, their, their ratings collapsed. And the ratings for that CNN This Morning show started going up when Don Lemon wasn't there. That should tell this new CEO all he needs to know. 
Part of me thinks, though, that Don Lemon is also like saying these absurd things now because he's trying to get CNN to just buy out his contract. Not sure if that's actually the case, but would he be doing anything different if that's what he, you know, if that's what he was doing? Anyway, 232-1542, if you want to call in or send a chat through the KPL app chat, we'll be back on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Moving on, now that we are back, and again, I, I do want you to call in or send a message through the KPL app chat. Uh, moving on, so Pete Buttigieg finally got up and got to East Palestine today. And it it hasn't really been going well. The the folks that have been interviewed on the ground there are kind of saying, you know, it's too little too late. Um, they are uh, very critical of Buttigieg and the uh, and the administration's response. Even MSNBC is saying that Buttigieg should have been there a lot sooner. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg did make it clear that he should have gone there sooner. And let's just put put a pin on that. He should have gone there sooner, and the White House should have done a better job, even though they were in a major transatlantic moment dealing with the future of the safety of the world. The people of East Palestine uh, need to feel seen and heard. And I think that Pete Buttigieg is taking it on board that he needs to go there and do that. Um, these are people who right now are very uncertain about their health and the future of their town. And um, it is definitely a little bit of a bump for the White House to not make sure they shined a big light on what was happening there. And hopefully in the weeks, days and weeks to come, they'll be able to do that because it's frightening for those people to see dead fish in the rivers and yeah. to not be able to run water. That was Mika Brzezinski. Of Morning Joe saying that being that critical of Buttigieg and the Biden administration, uh, but particularly the focus is on Buttigieg and and that needs to uh, that needs to stay in the back of your heads. I'm going to get into that in just a moment. Um, but Meek is absolutely right. The crash happened on February 3rd. It didn't really make mainstream news coverage until about a week later. Buttigieg himself did not make any sort of comment on it until a week later, on February 10th. And in the week in between, he was down here in Louisiana touting the uh, upcoming infrastructure project for the Calcasieu River Bridge. And he was also attending a conference on how white supremacy is a big part of our infrastructure problems. And I, I wish I was making that up. But... Instead of going to a place where this horrible environmental disaster is and how bad it still is, this is kind of like how everybody, you know, has, has started talking. Everybody, after a while, started talking a good game on the Flint, Michigan water scandal, uh, but nobody ever really did anything about it. It's kind of how this is, too, which I think is very interesting. The other thing is. A lot of people are pointing out, you know, this is a place that was a big Trump region. Is is the Biden administration ignoring it because it's a it's a right wing Republican place? That that may be it, um, but honestly, it, it's more likely that it's it, don't don't ever attribute to a conspiracy what can easily be attributed to just ineptitude, which is the definition of the Biden administration. They have been a very inept. And a lot of what they have tried to do, especially domestically, their domestic policy has been awful. And it's not getting any better. 
it should not take 19 days, 20 days for the uh, Biden administration, some official there to set foot in East Palestine, Ohio. It shouldn't take 20 days. It should not be something that Joe Biden even now still refuses to comment on. He doesn't really say much about it. The administration, including Buttigieg, has blamed Trump and has blamed Republicans. Buttigieg has been getting into spats on Twitter with uh, with senators about it, with Marco Rubio actually clapping back at him. Uh, Rubio had said something about how it was unacceptable. Um, and uh, Buttigieg tweeted at Rubio, you and Republicans, uh, basically, uh, you and the Republicans have always been in the interest, uh, have always been fighting for the interest of the of the uh, rail companies and not the workers. And Marco Rubio uh, replied back, I was fighting for workers' rights. I was fighting for the workers of the rail companies when you were out there giving the rail companies what they wanted in their uh, in their union agreement, in their labor dispute. Which is exactly what the Biden administration did. The Biden administration went with what the rail companies wanted instead of what the unions wanted in order to avoid a major rail strike so they could claim victory and say they've helped save a portion of the economy. But in reality, the, the workers didn't really get much out of it. But Buttigieg and the Biden administration want to blame Trump. They want to blame the rollback of regulations. And actually, it looks like that those regulations that were rolled back really didn't play any part in as to what happened in East Palestine. And then Buttigieg said, well, you know, a thousand train derailments happen every year. Well, not of this caliber, Pete. Mayor Pete. This is what happens. Matthew Continetti, at, uh, he was one of the founding editors of the Washington Free Beacon, Um. He has a column at the Washington Free Beacon today. Pete Buttigieg is not ready for prime time. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg went to East Palestine, Ohio, on February 23rd in a major concession of the Make America Great Again movement. Buttigieg's trip came three weeks after a Norfolk Southern freight train derailed in the town of fewer than 5,000 residents, releasing hazardous materials and forcing a brief evacuation on both sides of the Ohio-Pennsylvania border. No one died. People are back home. And the EPA says the air and water are safe. And it's unusual for transportation secretary to visit the site of a train wreck. The episode highlighted a dilemma for Judge's party. The Democrats are led by an 80 year old president with no clear successor. And while Joe Biden plans to run for reelection, a twist of fate could upend the 2024 race and send Democrats scrambling to enter a primary. Biden is the one person who defeated Trump. The rising stars in his party, such as Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro, Maryland Governor Wes Moore, Senator Raphael Warnock, and Representative Abigail Spanberger, aren't ready for national campaigns. The Democratic bench is filled with retreads, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, who are basically duds. Like Buttigieg, he's immensely overrated. His glib, know-it-all style may impress some in the media, but his crisis management skills are awful. In 2021, he went on paternity leave despite supply chain bottlenecks and negotiations over bipartisan infrastructure law. In the summer of 2022, he went on vacation to Portugal as rail workers threatened to strike. He was out of his depth last December when Southwest Airlines canceled thousands of flights and scrambled holiday travel plans. In January, the Federal Aviation Administration halted air traffic due to, due to a computer glitch. 
Buttigieg was caught unawares. His handling of the East Palestine Trail disaster was just as sloppy as and just as sloppy and ineffectual. For more than a week, he said nothing on the crash while complaining about the demographics of construction workers. He then blamed the Trump administration for lessening regulation on rail carriers. Next, he said train derailments happen often, but East Palestine has been getting the, the attention. Finally, he took a hard line on Norfolk Southern and relented to demands that he go to Ohio. Continetti is right. He's not ready for primetime. His crisis management is horrible, which is really just the, the M.O. of the Biden administration when you think about it. The Biden administration just has not been handling crisis. Well, they've been moving from crisis to crisis. To be fair to them, there have been a lot, some, though, of their own making. But Buttigieg is among the worst. He has been MIA for major issues. He has not, re- not responded quickly or effectively to those issues. And yet he wants to be the successor to Joe Biden. There's this constant, this is what I was alluding to earlier, there's this constant kind of bickering in the press. You can see it from the Buttigieg and Harris uh, backers. They fight their wars in the press. So occasionally you'll see a puff piece for Buttigieg, and then you'll see one for Kamala Harris. Then you'll see a negative story about Buttigieg, then one about Kamala Harris. They go back and forth, kind of oppo dropping each other and, and trying to smear each other in the press. At least that's my theory as to why you all. it always comes in pairs. There's a bad story about one, there's a bad story the other. There's a puff piece about one, there's a puff piece about the other. It's because both their sides are trying to build them up as the successor to Joe Biden. The problem with all this is that neither really are able to succeed Joe Biden in any meaningful way. Joe Biden doesn't have a bench behind him. So you've got folks like Gavin Newsom. You've got, uh, I've already forgotten his name, the governor of Illinois. Uh, he he would like to run. Um, Amy Klobuchar wants to run again. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. Uh, that, that whole crew wants to run again. Uh, Buttigieg would like to run again. Kamala would like to run again. And... None of them really seem ready for primetime. None of them do. The best the Democratic Party has to offer, their recent elections, and they, they don't, they're not, they're not experienced enough yet. I think Cottonetti raises the point. I think Raphael Warnock, given that he's won twice in a red state against, frankly, bad candidates and, and uh, poor Republican, uh, poor Republican management of elections, uh, Raphael Warnock would be a very interesting presidential nominee in the future. Some of these other younger or newer Democrats, I think, would also be, but they, they need time to to mature in office, and they haven't had that yet. And I really think, if we're being honest here, based on how 2016 went down, with the exception of Joe Biden, I really do think that we're beyond the point of senators becoming presidents for, for the time being. Um the management of America has really gone down since uh, George W. Bush. I mean, and George W. Bush even wasn't all that great. But prior to Bush, you had a series of governors. Um, you had folks who were governors who were uh, running for president. And you may not have liked their policies, but with the exception of Jimmy Carter, things weren't as bad. Uh 
but now now we're to the point where I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's I think that the time of the senator for president is gone. I think people are looking for for folks who have actually managed an executive branch before who have uh, governmental management experience, not just somebody who sits on a tired old body of legislators. And I think that's kind of where we end up. Um, 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. Let's go ahead and jump to the phone lines. Hi, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Yeah, it's Renee. Hey, Renee, how are you? You're kind of cutting out a little bit. Yeah, okay, I'm going to get to the window. All right. What's the subject material, balloons? <laughs> uh, no, I'm. well, let's see. I was talking about Pete Buttigieg uh, going to East Palestine, but it's kind of moved on into... You know, Pete wants to be the next Democrat to be president. There's all these others. I mean, do you think, Renee, there's any Democrat who who is ready for prime time in that regard? Uh, let me stretch it out. Maybe one of these actors could act like they have something, could do something. One of them actors, Baldwin knows how to shoot a gun, I'll tell you that. He's <laughs> impressive, but he's, I wouldn't want him to shoot me, though. No, no, he doesn't. He no. doesn't show good. Uh, he doesn't show good trigger control. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's kind of like all we have is, and not even uh, what's that lady, Oprah Winfrey. I thought she was cool, but maybe she's too woke. She might even be a better president than the the Alzheimer guy we're having there right now. You know, you know how to do business. You know, I kind of like where you're at there. Maybe we need to get Hollywood. Maybe at least Hollywood could act. Like a good president, I, I like where your right. head's at. Make me, make me feel good. If you can't do nothing, make me feel good. Well, I mean, you know, the it's last like the, the last truly great president that we had, aside from Trump. Well, I mean, Trump spent his time in Hollywood. Ronald Reagan spent his time in Hollywood. I mean, there's something to be said for what you're arguing here. Clint Eastwood. You want I mean, how he was a libertarian? I don't know what's wrong with the libertarians. They they. They like small business and they like to tote guns, but you talk to them about work and they go on the fringe left too. Yeah, the the Libertarian Party, uh, as long as the, the Libertarian Party backs a lot of unserious people, so I'm never quite sure if I can actually like get on board fully with the Libertarians. Yeah, like I told you about the one time I called these ladies, and they sound like the ecological version of the view. I mean, the lady was complaining about the pollution of the gas. Yeah. Where water pumps in a pipeline bringing water to Arizona. I'm, I'm telling you, dummy, you saw about the pollution. How about the construction of the pipeline? You missed that? You just mad at your neighbor that used all that water in California? What did she do to you for you want to have everybody be crazy on water cons- conservation? Yeah. No, I... I, I don't disagree. All right, Renee, I got to take this break, but thank you very much for calling. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, 232-1542 if you want to jump in and be part of the conversation or send a message to the KPL app chat. We'll take this break. We'll be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL.